It's time for episode 528 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, November 8th, 2023. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that occurs on the second Wednesday of the month. And the third, and even the fourth, and sometimes the fifth. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across... Oh, also the first. I am joined across uh, the internet by my good pal, my friend, and dungeon buddy, because we play Dungeons & Dragons online together. It's Dan Morin. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. Uh, I like it when we record on alternate Wednesdays. Um, which is to say that Wednesday, but also all the other Wednesdays. <laughs> I like that. That works. Um, you know what else works? Having guests on this show and to my <laughs> left, yeah. it is the host of Automators right here on Relay FM, as well as my co-host on iOS Today over on Twit. It's Rosemary Orchard. Welcome back to the show, Rosemary. Thank you very much. I misread the title again, and so I was trying to wash the clock, but I couldn't find a sponge, so I was trying to get a cat to lick it. It didn't go well, so I'm hoping the rest of the episode is a bit smoother than that. Uh, this explains why our clock is so slimy today. Uh, to my left this week, it is a host and a producer over at twit.tv. It is Jason Howell coming back to the show. Welcome back, Jason. Hey, it's always good to be here. I'm sorry for your sticky clock, Rosemary. That's, that's, that's unfortunate. <laughs> oh, I Lord. mean, to be fair, she just rejected it. So it's all good. It's all good. Uh, now I'll be thinking about washing clocks, but we should get started. You know how it works. Four topics, 30 minutes in mind for you is this. Uh, tell us about a software bug that has gotten on your nerves. It's time to complain about bugs. Rosemary, we'll start with you. My bug is a shortcuts bug. Whenever um, I open the apps list in shortcuts, so I'm looking for an action and I want to browse the actions available for a certain app, uh, it takes forever to load the list of apps. Now I'll grant, I have a 512 gigabyte iPhone and I am a maximalist when it comes to iPhone apps, especially shortcuts ones. So I have a lot of apps and a lot of shortcuts actions in there. But it really feels like there's some cache optimization or something missing because the amount of times it takes forever to load that list. And then I tap on an app and it then takes another moment or two to load up the list of shortcuts. It's very, very frustrating. And I don't quite understand what the problem is because it's not like I'm not building shortcuts on a daily basis. If I only opened it once every couple of months, I'd understand and I'd be more forgiving. But it just feels like it takes forever when I'm opening up a new shortcut to to bring up that list of apps and the actions. And if I just go straight into searching an action in a brand new shortcut, uh, I better sit down for a moment because it's going to take a while to, to load up a list of the actions and then search and filter them. And uh, it's even worse when I'm screen sharing. So whenever I'm doing iOS today, it, it just goes nuts. And uh, that, That's not my favorite thing in the world ever, to be honest. CarPlay on my iPhone 15 Pro has been kind of a mess. Um, I've switched cables. I've you know tried different things, but it is now nowhere near as reliable as it was under my previous many years of phones with Lightning on it for whatever reason. So most recently, what happened is I was driving somewhere and I thought, oh, I'll just use Siri and I will uh, bring up my playlist or tell it to play a certain type of song or whatever. And I would hit the button for Siri and the little Siri icon would show up on the screen, but then it couldn't hear anything. Like I would talk to it and it would not respond at all. It would just sit there and then eventually would go away and go back to playing whatever it was playing. 
Uh, and I kind of rely on Siri when I'm in the car for doing things because I want to stay hands-free. Um, so I tested it a couple times and I tried fiddling with changing cables, doing that. Uh, and eventually I got it to uh, actually work. Like, And I wouldn't hear the prompt either. I would hit the, you know, say something to Siri. It wouldn't respond to me. Couldn't hear me, but I also couldn't get audio for it. And I eventually got it to start responding and it would do the what it was supposed to do. And it heard me and that was great. And then it started playing a song and there was no audio from the song. <laughs> So I unplugged it and I'm doing this. I'm doing the thing that you do that's truly ridiculous when it's a USB-C cable, which is unplugging it, turning it around (laughs) and plugging it back in again. Should that make a difference? No. But somehow, sometimes it seems to. No idea what's going on here. I can basically either get it to hear me on Siri or play audio, but not both at the same time, which is kind of defeating the point. Jason, surely there is a bug that is bothering you as well. This is a safe space. I want you to know yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, I feel comfortable that I can share this with you all. Um, so I have a 2021 uh, MacBook Pro uh, M, uh, M1 Pro inside that I love. It's connected to a CalDigit hub. Usually I have, you know, a Chrome browser open with a number of tabs that I don't want those tabs to close because I have haven't dealt with them yet. I will eventually and they'll close over time, but it's never like it's never like 100 percent clear. Right. Like there's always extra tabs there. And then I usually have my audio software. I like to keep it open because if I have an idea, I could just drop down and you know lay out a, a, an idea for a song or something like that. It's like this ongoing day after day after day kind of evolution of of life within the computer. I, I don't really unplug it or take it anywhere, even though it's a laptop. Well, So I leave the laptop plugged in and I go away and not every time, but enough times for it to be annoying, I will come back to it and the computer will not be in sleep mode as it normally does. It's completely turned off and I have to like restart everything and relaunch and relog in. And it just tells me, you know, it, it, uh, it shut off for no apparent reason, for no obvious reason that it can identify. It just goes to sleep and then it doesn't wake up and it doesn't happen every time. That's the thing. And there's no easy way for me to troubleshoot it either. I'm like, is there something in the browser that's open that's doing this? Is there some weird like, underneath the hood like uh confusion happening between some random thing in ableton live and some random thing in the in the chrome browser i don't even know what it is i just know that it's inconvenient when it happens because it takes me like 10 minutes to get back up and running and i hate it hate it the bug i'm sharing is the jeweled dung beetle no um i am very frustrated right now because my iphone 15 pro max for the first i i have Bluetooth dropout issues. Um, I have tried now different headphones. I have tried different speakers. Um, everything that I have, I keep getting Bluetooth dropout. You'll be listening to a mostly it's an audiobook, um, but occasionally music and just suddenly it just cuts out. And then you pick up uh, a little bit later and then you don't know what the person has been saying in the book because you've lost, Mm. you know, a few seconds. I have come very close on a number of occasions to reverting to my iPhone 14 because of this thing, because I listen to audio a lot and I listen to audio a lot through Bluetooth and I'm very frustrated and I want it to be fixed. And 17.1.1 that just released yesterday has not addressed the issue. Would love for that to be fixed so that I don't have to be frustrated every uh, 10 minutes whenever there's an audio dropout and I have to rewind and then have it drop out again. And then I have to rewind and then it drops out in a different place. (sighs) Anyway, let's move on to our next topic, which comes from Rosemary. 
Well, Apple recently announced the new Qi2 standard. That's QI2 um, standard, and this is based on MagSafe. Now, Apple have previously created their own standards, Lightning, um, and then joined in on other big standards such as USB-C. And I was wondering if you think it's good for big tech companies like Apple, Google, Microsoft, etc., to be involved in the creation of these standards. Or is it better for these to be defined by external bodies? And who should those be if you think it's better for them to be external? Uh, this is a tricky question. I do think it's good for big tech companies to be involved in it. And, and the simple answer is buy-in. I mean, it, they need to have some investment. They need to have some skin in the game. Otherwise, you know, some other uh, entity could come up with a, the, a great thing that works perfectly or whatever. And it's it's amazing. But, you know, nobody really wants to use it for some reason or they don't want to pay royalties on it or what have you. So I think there's a bit of a push and pull there. And it's why you see, obviously, they have these, you know, consortiums like the USB forum and stuff like that. And most of the big companies are in some way uh, attached to it. Um, Apple has certainly helped in development of other uh, standards that are um, used in other places. I think about Thunderbolt, for an example, which Intel and Apple both worked on. Um, Firewire, uh, back in the day, I believe Sony and Apple both worked on. I mean, you know, it's it's important for the big companies to kind of, you know, put their money where their mouth is and also hopefully make sure that it's a, something that's going to get adhered to. Wi-Fi is a great example, right? There is the Wi-Fi Alliance and it's done by a, th- a third party, but also it has buy-in from those big tech companies. Um, so I do think that's that's important. And so I guess, yeah, the answer for me, a little bit of both is what I'd say. Jason, what about you? As far as tech companies are concerned, being involved in the development of the standards, you know, they have experience with those technologies or they have experience with people who are using you know, their products that uh, could benefit from those technologies. So they have a very unique perspective. They also might have the desire to, you know, create standards that benefit them um, in some way, shape or form more than other competitors. So what I don't want is a body that creates the standards that's not respecting kind of the limits that exist or don't respect the actual desires of the users that don't really understand it to the degree that the people, you know, the companies that are making this technology might understand it. And I don't want a tech company to champion a standard or a component of that standard that gives them an unfair advantage over others. So it really has to be both, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it does need to be both. I want companies to be involved because I think that they know <laughs> they're they're constantly boots on the ground, know how the sausage is made, all of the other uh, different sayings. And it also means that you don't have to wait as long necessarily for that technology to make its way into the products because they're they're being part of the creation of it. So it typically means that they're prepared to have that be the technology as opposed to, you know, waiting so long for USB-C to make its way to the iPhone. Yeah, I think that as as far as that goes, it is a helpful thing. But as Jason has kind of pointed out, you'd want maybe somebody who doesn't have a dog in the hunt to also be part of the process uh, to to kind of make sure that it's everything's being done fairly, so to speak. Um, Rosemary, why don't you round us out on this? My concern with with these standards is always, you know, you end up with something like USB-C, which is a great idea in theory, but USB-C can be USB 2, 2.1, 3.1. It could also be Thunderbolt 3 or 4 or soon 5. Um, and what is this cable? When I pick it up, what does it do? Will it work for the use case that I'm intending it to work for? 
this is a problem that has arisen from the standard. Now, I'm not saying this could be solved or not solved by uh, Intel, Apple, Google, Microsoft, etc. being involved or not involved in it. Uh, I don't know. And the answer is probably yes and no to all of this. But uh, yeah, I do think it's probably better for big companies to be involved because as we've seen when uh, entirely external bodies attempt to regulate tech, they often just don't understand it. So actually solving it is more of a problem than you might think uh, for those companies. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm in favor of big tech companies being involved as long as they are not the only people involved. Alrighty, folks, with that, we've got two topics down, which means it's halftime. You know what's not cheap? Zoom subscriptions. And uh, <laughs> that means that we need your help to make sure that we can keep paying the bill so we keep bringing you Clockwise every single week. So consider going to clockwise.social slash shirt uh, and picking up a Clockwise tea, a beautiful, soft comfortable, cozy clockwise tea. There are also other options available there, including clockwise onesies. Uh, they have a great logo on the front of the clockwise stopwatch. And uh, I think that you will love the shirt. Uh, Dan and I both love ours. And um, we would love also if you, you know, sent a photo of you wearing your clockwise tee. Uh, it's always great to see our listeners out in the wild, repping that merch and helping us pay the Zoom bill. Uh, so again, that's clockwise.social slash shirt. And we appreciate your support. All right, we are back from halftime. And that means it's time for Dan's topic. Google is now appealing to the EU to regulate iMessage uh, and force Apple to essentially make it intercompatible. Should Apple be forced to make its messaging system work with others or embrace a standard that works with everybody? Or is this something that is a bit of a, um, a tempest in a teapot slash overreach from Google's side? Jason! I'm interested to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like the quarter of this cast that uses Android, not <laughs> iOS. Um, should Apple be forced to do this? I don't believe that Apple should be absolutely forced to do this. I'm not like in that camp. Do I think Apple should do it anyway at this point? Yeah. There's a number of reasons why people like iOS devices and Apple devices. I'm not sure that iMessage compatibility is really high on that have to list anymore. It's nice. And I'm sure people that use it love it. But I feel like all it does is it breaks the experience for everyone involved, even for you to have, you know, the green, that green bubble pop in there and not have the expanded capabilities um, that you enjoy with the blue bubbles, right? Like Google has been working on a standard um, and really championing it, which I know you've all heard of RCS, which is really an extension of SMS. And I don't understand what the, what the harm is in just saying, hey, you know what? It's been a good run. We now have interoperability between iMessage and RCS. We can all benefit from the expanded kind of you know the, the read messages and the chat typing indicators and all these things. Um, because we, we all communicate with people on iOS and Android and other platforms. Like, why not? I want this interoperability to exist. I do. Uh, because every time I send a message to Jason Howell, 
I have this slight fear that the message is not going to be delivered. I have this anxiety about messaging with Android users such that I will try to find any other way to talk to them on any (laughs) other platform before I go for the messaging route. And I think that's goofy. I don't want that to be the case. I want the interoperability to exist so that I just know that my message will be received in the same way as I'm used to with something like iMessage. That's where I stand. Uh, Rosemary, what do you think? Now, as far as I understand it, Google essentially decided to hop on the RCS bandwagon, which was around in the Windows Phone days, um, because their own proprietary messaging system flopped. So they've gone with RCS because it can be an extension of the SMS standard, but it's also only supported by a handful of global carriers. Um, And I kind of feel like Google may be tackling the problem at the wrong end here. If they're saying if they want, you know, the EU and other, you know, large governmental bodies to say, hey, everybody needs to use RCS. I feel like they need to get the support for RCS implemented before they can say everyone needs to be using it because you cannot make people use something that is not supported by their carrier. We know things like the SOS feature that's built into the new iPhones is not available in every country around the world because Apple has to, you know, work with those countries to get this supported everywhere. Um, I feel like this is a a case of they're trying to put the chicken in front of the egg, but the egg is still in the dinosaur era. So it needs to evolve (laughs) into something that can become a chicken Um, until we have support for these standards everywhere. I don't think that this is going to work. I think that this is one of those things where, yes, a standard would be great, providing that it can actually be utilized by the world's population. And I don't think that we're there yet. I mean, the desire to have an interoperable messaging system, I think, is there for a lot of people. I think the biggest thing holding it back, as Rosemary was saying, is sort of the spottiness of it. And I think this is the wrong approach for Google, frankly, in terms of trying to essentially bully Apple into it. A, it's not going to work because Apple doesn't need to get like they don't care. Mm-hmm. They they mm-hmm. can afford to just sit back and say, we're, we're doing fine. It doesn't really affect us. I think what makes it compelling to Apple in the long run is if this system is so widespread that it fe- Apple feels like its users are missing out on something by not having support for it. But Google seems to want to sort of bootstrap RCS into popularity by bullying Apple <laughs> into using it, which, again, it's just a losing proposition for them. It may be that RCS support would be great, and I, I think the interoperability aspect of it is really positive, but Apple has no incentive to do this right now. Like, you know, they between them and Google, they sort of worked out those issues with the, you know, the tap backs on, on SMS being a problem because that was something that annoyed everybody, <laughs> Google and Apple customers alike. Um, but at the end of the day, Apple is not going to go out of its way to do anything for people who are not giving it money because it's a business. So it's going to take care of its customers first. And if enough of its customers are frustrated in the lack of RCS or support for certain messaging protocols, that'll make a difference. But trying to make this happen by getting the EU to intervene and regulate it, I think it's just, it's not a, it's not a good tactic in my opinion. Uh, Thank you all for your thoughts. Let's move on to our last topic, which comes from Jason. 
Well, I saw this morning uh, that Nintendo is now working on a Zelda motion picture, primarily because the Super Mario Brothers motion picture that came out earlier this year did so well in the box office. Um, And it just kind of has me thinking like video game movies, video game TV shows, you know, it used to be really risky and really cringy. And, you know, we, we weren't given a lot of like examples of good products come to those. Have times changed in your opinion? What do you think, Micah? Maybe even more so than there ever has been a a strong desire for nostalgia and chasing nostalgia. And I think that the Internet has truly facilitated that. There's always an opportunity to make new what was, you know, what once was uh, and to maybe take some properties that could benefit from a modern lens. Uh, that's also great because sometimes you go back and watch some things and you go, oh, that's uh, that, that didn't age quite well. Um, so I think that that could be good too. And yeah, I don't know, people really like video games. So that helps as well. Uh, having their, their favorite video games in uh, being shown in a new way. Uh, Rosemary, what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts of this is I'd never really encountered Zelda. I was aware of the existence of Zelda, but I never really encountered it before Breath of the Wild. Um, and then I, I played through all of that. And then I'm I'm still working on Tears of the Kingdom. I am a slow gamer, folks. Uh, do not criticize me for taking my time and enjoying things. and <laughs> completely forgetting about the existence of a video game for six months and continuing with it later. This is going to be a very difficult one to, to balance. Um, Mario, I think people are a little bit more aware of Mario just generally and what Mario is and does. Link doesn't speak. That's just something that, at least as far as I can tell, is a thing about the character. And I am wondering how that is going to happen in a film. Uh, Obviously, you know, there are a lot of ways to communicate without speaking. But I feel like this is going to make it very difficult. And I also feel like there is going to be a very difficult balance line, uh, more of a balance beam, frankly, more of a tightrope or a tight wire to walk because there are a lot of people who love original Zelda and there are a lot of people who love new Zelda. And there is a little bit of a Venn diagram in the middle where there's an overlap between the two, but I feel like this is going to be a Marmite or Vegemite uh, for those down under uh, thing. Some people are absolutely going to love a Zelda movie. Some people are going to hate it. Some people are going to think it should be animated, sort of anime style. Other people are going to think that the live action is best. Other people are going to want actual stunts, not CGI um, and, and so on. I, I think that this is going to be somewhat akin to the Disney live action remakes of things, particularly Mulan springs to mind, just because obviously there's uh, a lot of action and so on in that. And I don't know how it's going to work out. Uh, I would be interested in seeing it. But I also have a close friend who is a very intense Zelda fan, but original Zelda. And I'm going to be looking to see what his reaction is if this uh, actually makes it into the cinemas. You know, video game movies used to often tank because they just were, you know, seen as cash grabs or um, just not very inspired. Or they struggle with that difficulty of adhering too close to the source material or veering too far away from it. There's a lot of places this can go wrong, especially because what you're trying to do is essentially take an audience who likes one th- that thing in one medium and translate them to an audience who likes that thing in the other medium. Video games are also inherently interactive, which is difficulty when it's like, well, just sit down here and watch a story. Um, but at the end of the day, what makes the difference is whether or not 
the story is any good and whether or not the execution of it is done well. Um, you can take something like The Last of Us, for example, on Max, and clearly uh, both a game that was really highly regarded and a show that is really highly regarded. It can be done. I think it's just a matter of finding people who have the right you know, take on something or the right pitch for something. I think also the recent Dungeons and Dragons movie is another great example. Let me tell you, I have watched multiple other Dungeons and Dragons movies from the early 2000s that are very, very bad, like really bad. (laughs) And the answer was finding somebody who understood the material and figured out how to put the right spin on it. Um, So, you know, I think video games like book adaptations or comic adaptations, it's all hit or miss. There is no reliable formula. If there were, people would get it right 100% of the time and they don't. So, you know, I'm perfectly fine to adapt uh, movies from uh, video games. Uh, I'm a Zelda fan. I, you know, played the original way back in the day and I've played Breath of the Wild. Haven't yet played Tears of the Kingdom. Um, And in terms of uh, Rosemary, your point about Link not speaking, if there is not at least one example of having Link say, well, excuse Excuse me, princess, then you've really missed out. And that is a joke for people of a very specific era. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I feel like the art of video games has we're in an era right now where video games very closely resemble film to a certain degree. So the translation, like I, like I can't help but think, you know, what, what was it? The nineties when they did the super Mario brothers movie and it was the live action thing. And there was a lot more interpretation that had to happen then because, you know, recreating something that was like this eight bit platform, flat screen thing and turning it into this wide expansive reality view like there's a lot of um a lot of determinations that have to make in that interpretation whereas now these art forms are a lot closer than they ever were and they continue to get closer video games continue the technology continues to develop and evolve to a point to where things can be represented in a film-like way, and I think vice versa. And then what you were talking about, Dan, I think is spot on. You know, what is the taste level, or what is the um, the knowledge of the source material that the director or whoever's involved with the film brings to the table? It does feel like to me that Hollywood has started to have a better understanding of how to make that transition from the cheese factor into something that's enjoyable. Last of Us, I loved it. Super Mario Brothers. You know, it was a little cutesy and everything, but I think they were pretty respectful to the property itself. I hope that Zelda comes out and it's uh, and I don't think this is going to happen, but I hope that maybe they lean into kind of like a darker view of what could be done in the Zelda universe. Give the people who are long term Zelda fans uh, the things that they're looking for, but really but. You know, lean into a little bit of the darker possibilities of it and give it kind of a little bit of edge, but not a cheesy edge, a a kind of current now edge. That's what I'm hoping to see. And I would love to see Metroid at some point. Give me a Metroid film. I would love to see what that turns out to be. All righty. We are nearly to the end of this episode of Clockwise, but I've got a bonus topic for you. What is the coolest natural feature you have ever personally seen? Rosemary, we'll start with you. I'm going with Dirtledore, which is in Dorset. It's on the Jurassic Coast. Um, and it looks like a door that's just been sort of carved into this spear of rock going out into the ocean. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's fabulous and natural. I got to go with uh, uh, some of the in Iceland. Uh, the waterfalls in Iceland are incredible. They're just it's wild. I mean, they're just some of them are huge. Some of them are huge, like really tall. But it's just the, the scenery with backing that is just it's amazing and beautiful. And uh, I spent a very, very cold several days there, but it was it was worth it. 
the one that really comes to mind for me is a couple of years ago, I took a trip to Joshua Tree, which is actually not very far from us here in Northern California, just Southern California area. And I've just never experienced anything like that in the desert with the rock formations climbing on the rocks. It was just it was a beauty. It was a desert beauty that I had never experienced before. It's incredibly unique. And I am thirsting to go back to Joshua Tree and take my family with me and show them all around. So in the United States, actually in uh, all of North America, there are only eight tide falls. A tide fall mm. is a waterfall that flows directly into the ocean. And there just so happens to be a tide fall very close to where we live here in Petaluma uh, called Alamir Falls. Um, what's fantastic and difficult about Alamir Falls is that it involves an 18 mile hike uh, to get to. But that just makes it so much more worth it at the end when you get there. And um, the other thing that's kind of wild about it is depending on the tides, you can't even get to it. So it's all about timing and it's well worth it. And anyone that's, you know, in the area for longer than a week, I'm always like, you got to got to make it out to Alamir Falls just to see it and uh, experience the, the the work that it takes to get there and then also just the beauty of it afterward. Thank you all for your answers on that bonus topic. And you out there listening, if you would like to get ad-free episodes that include an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of Clockwise. You just go to relay.fm slash clockwise and sign up. It's just $5 a month or $50 a year. When you do, you'll help support the show. In this week's overtime topic, we discuss our current use of AI. And with that, we have reached the end of this episode of Clockwise. All that is left is to thank our incredible guests for joining us. Rosemary Orchard, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. I'm so sorry about getting confused and washing all the clocks instead of watching them. Oh, God, sorry. I need to do better with my reading skills. Maybe ChatGPT can help me with that, but I guess folks will have to find out in overtime. Here are the best solutions for washing your clock. Uh, Jason Howell, thank you so much for joining us as well. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Thankfully, all my clocks are very clean, so I'm not going to go wash them after the show. Oh, nobody needs to clean Jason's clock. That's nope. what I heard. All right. <laughs> thank you, everybody out there for listening. Micah, we'll be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody out there, watch what you say and keep watching the clock. <laughs> Bye, everybody.